Hello and welcome to Helpline in Focus. This is an extension of our weekly helpline that's here to support parents when it's all getting a bit challenging. And for most of us around Australia, life is pretty challenging right now. I'm Siobhan Hunt. I'm based in Sydney. So I'm in lockdown um, as uh, those of us in uh, Victoria and South Australia. And as lockdowns continue across the country, we've been thinking a lot about those of you who are new parents, because it's hard enough bringing a baby home when you're able to see friends and family, when you're able to ask for people to come over and uh, give you a break. But now, of course, people don't have that option. So tonight we're doing a special Coping with Lockdown episode with Dr. Nicole Hyatt, who's the founder and executive director of COPE, which is the Centre of Perinatal Excellence. Hi, Nicole. How are you? Hi, Siobhan. Very well, thank you. Coming to us from Victoria, also in lockdown now. (laughs) Always feel like I need to say sorry coming from Sydney (laughs) to our our (laughs) friends in in Victoria. Um, now, what 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 we're going to do this time is I'm going to ask Nicole some questions, but we're opening it up for anyone who's joining us via Facebook Live to jump in to ask Nicole a question. I'll put it to her. Um, you may even just have a comment or something you'd like to share, um, but, you know, we're here or Nicole's here to answer your question. So please take advantage if you are, have a question you want to ask. So, Nicole, as I mentioned, lots of us um, are in lockdown now and, and we are familiar with it, particularly your fine selves mm-hmm. five times going through this. Um, so new parents might just assume that what they're feeling is the same kind of thing as everybody else. So we've all got it tough and new parents might be thinking, actually, we're just the same as everyone else. But is it? You know, I, w- I was a, a new parent without these kinds of restrictions and I feel like it must be extra tough for them. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, look, I think um, when it's, particularly if it's your first baby, you don't really know what to expect anyway. Um, often we have, we go into pregnancy, birth and um, early parenthood with lots of expectations and some of those um, come true and some of them don't. Um, so it's really hard, even in a normal context, quite often to know, well, what's normal and what's not normal. Uh, so, for example, we know that commonly people might experience things like anxiety or depression, but often they're just putting it down to, well, this is all just part and parcel of having a baby, isn't it? Isn't this just sleep deprivation? Isn't this just hormones? Isn't this just part of the package of parenthood? And as a result of that, they don't identify symptoms early. And I suppose in the same way at the moment, we've got this whole new context which is sort of impinged or enforced upon us. So it's really hard to know, well, what is normal and, and what's not normal? Um, you know, we were just actually having a discussion at our family dinner time table tonight about, you know, um, I just feel like being, you know, feeling closed in um, at home with the kids all day. And, um, you know, even though I all, always work in the same environment, um, there's just that that sort of psychological thing, I suppose, that you're not allowed out and um, you're not getting the same breaks or interactions and you're not spending week, you know, your weekend with friends and socially integrating. So there is a change and it just feels like this, this constant world is smaller. And that that is part of the lockdown experience that all of us are going through. But I think if you're a new parent, um, you know, and it's 
it's if you've already been out of lockdown with a new baby, you'll probably experience the difference, although there's different challenges that come up all the time with a new baby, which come and go. Um, you might have had a great week last week and then suddenly um, things are thrown up in the air. So, it's, it, it, look, it is really challenging. I think it's really about, um, uh, you know, just checking in with yourself and your partner about how you're both feeling um, and what, what you can do to alleviate that feeling of, you know, like the world is getting smaller and smaller. Important to do things like take breaks, like take walks. And for me, um, with or without COVID, it was all about um, making time to do a few, you know, small things on your own to have that self time uh, to get back to yourself. And it's sort of like a grounding experience. And I think particularly with COVID, that's even more important because we're not getting those social interactions that we otherwise did. Yeah, and I was thinking just when you were saying that, I was thinking really mental health is about um, what your reality is, isn't it? So if you're a new parent and you're at home and you're struggling, it doesn't matter if it's COVID, you're a new parent and you need support. So um, let's talk about the signs to look out for. You mentioned there that um, anxiety, uh, depression, I think one of the that people can be thinking that's just part of being a new parent, that it's tough. And I definitely remember feeling that way. Like it's going to be hard. I'm going to feel not great all the time. But how do we know when it's it's moved beyond being a little bit difficult as life can be sometimes and when it's something we really need to talk to someone about it? Yeah, so that's a really good question. And with all the things that come with having a baby, sleep deprivation, changes to your routine, changes to your lifestyle, changes to your priorities, changes to your body, um, you know, there is so much going on at every level, physically, emotionally, mentally, psychologically, in terms of your identity, everything's sort of thrown up in the air. Um, so what we, you know, it's, it's normal that we're going to have um, periods of time where we find this is hard or this isn't what I expected or I'm finding it hard to get through the day um, today um, or I just don't feel like myself. Um, and this is all part of just the, the everyday adjustment around being um, having other stresses or demands put on us that we weren't used to on a continuing basis. You know, we might have had deadlines at work if we, you know, at work and but then that goal or milestone was reached and life went back to normal. That doesn't happen anymore because the baby's still there. And um, so, you know, it's natural to have periods where you don't, you know, feel 100% or feel um, quite on top of things, and that's just part of the normal adjustment to parenthood. So the, the really key thing, I suppose, in terms of, well, when do you know that this is more than just adjustment um, signs? And it's really about the number of different indicators or what we call symptoms and for how long they are going on. So time is critical. So experiencing a number of symptoms or changes which last in a sustained way over a period of time, this is more likely to indicate that there might be an underlying health issue like anxiety or depression. So, yeah, taking, taking anxiety, for example, um, part of anxiety is all about um, really worrying, having that constant feeling of worry that something is going to go wrong or that dread or that. Um, and when people have a new baby, that worry might manifest in terms of worrying about the baby's health, worrying about the baby isn't going to wake up, going in and checking all the time on the baby, being overprotective about the baby, not wanting other people to hold the baby because doing those sort of behaviours are alleviating your feelings of anxiety by giving you that greater sense of control. Um, so 
Once that gets to the point, though, that it starts impacting on your relationships, on the baby being able to have contact with other people, and over time it just gets exhausting, you know, because you never take a break because no one will do it as well as I do or something will go wrong if it's not me. You can't sustain that. So if this is constant and ongoing and um, you're unable to, you know, let go or give someone else the opportunity to look after the baby, that can be a sign, for example, that this might be something more than just everyday adjustment. There's an ongoing underlying issue here. And what about um, depression? Because that's quite different from anxiety. And we, are, um, we do get that hormone crash at a particular time. Uh, I can't remember when it was, but um, I remember heading out of my flat and my neighbour saying to me, how are you going? And I thought I was doing fine, but I just burst into tears and couldn't stop crying. And I think that was my day when I really crashed and it just was, you know. So that is something that we, most women know is coming or will be told is coming. Mm -hmm. So how do we know when it's that normal hormonal depletion, you know, you've been up all night, all that sort of stuff, and when it's um, something serious? Yeah. So um, what you're describing there is what we often call the baby blues um, or it's that um, sudden drop in hormones and it's usually quite soon after having a baby, usually in the first, uh, as late as the 8 to 10 day mark, but generally it will happen even earlier than that in the early days after having a baby. And as you describe, you're feeling very overly emotional, overwhelmed, Uh, tears come from nowhere, you can't stop crying. I remember I didn't experience with my first baby, but I did with my second. Um, and you can't explain where it's coming from, but it subsides on its own um, uh, just with understanding and support. Um, the difference between that and postnatal depression is technically postnatal depression wouldn't be diagnosed until four weeks after having a baby. So it's well and truly time for that, um, the hormones to have um, sorted themselves out. But unlike the baby blues or the hormonal change, it's not short-lived and it rather than just one set of symptoms like feeling overwhelmed with emotion and teary, you're likely to experience a number of different types of symptoms. So, for example, there's the emotional symptoms like feeling really sad or down and crying or um, or loss of interest or pleasure in things that you do. These are like the psychological symptoms. There's also physical symptoms. So things like um, not being able to sleep, even when you've got the opportunity to sleep, um, changes in appetite, um, So these are physical symptoms that might accompany depression. Um, And and, and then there's the cognitive symptoms. So just like as we described with anxiety, um, you're worrying about everything and something's going to go wrong. Conversely, with depression, it's um, everything feels terrible. Like there's no point. The the glass is always half empty. So depression, because you're feeling so sad or down and you don't have interest or not able to get pleasure out of things that you're used to, the world suddenly looks greyer and you tend to start looking at things in a very negative way. So this is what then maintains the feelings of depression over time. So you can see when we're looking at depression and breaking that down, there's the physical symptoms, the emotional symptoms, the psychological symptoms, and they will generally experience experience consistently for two weeks or more. And um, so it's the time period plus the range of symptoms which tells us this is more likely to be more than the baby blues. Um, just one cl- thing to clarify, though, that quite often people experience depression during pregnancy. In fact, up to one in 10 women will actually experience depression during pregnancy. And so for those people, it might then continue on through um, straight after birth and into the postnatal period. 
And this is why it's so important that we screen women for depression, just like we screen for uh, blood tests and ultrasounds, we also must screen in relation to emotional and mental health. And that screening is looking at things that we know increase your risk or likelihood of developing a mental health problem, as well as the presence of these different types of symptoms which you have just described. Hannah on Facebook asks, uh, what are the most common symptoms of postnatal depression during these COVID times? Mm -hmm. Are there any extra symptoms to watch for in these crazy times? And I guess um, probably relating to that, you know, extra anxiety, uh, health anxiety around leaving the home, that kind of thing. Um, Does that compound and and be, is it specific to postnatal depression? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, I think particularly at this time, if you are experiencing uh, depression, the lockdown will, um, or for some, it sort of will give an excuse not to go out. It's like some people will find that a haven. It's like, oh, like I've got a, I've got a good reason not to go out and I don't have the energy or inclination to anyway. So that's the difference is, you know, if you, um, if you want to go out or want to connect, whether that's online or a phone call or whatever, but with depression because you don't have any interest or pleasure or energy you just you can't bring it you're not interested in it so um that's a real difference so the symptoms themselves wouldn't change just like you know diabetes in lockdown wouldn't be different from diabetes in terms of the symptoms however um how you react to restrictions might and things like that might be slightly different Uh, when it comes to anxiety and lockdown so um, just like we talked about depression affects your thinking so does anxiety um, for people who have underlying uh, anxiety symptoms, it is quite possible that this will then man- manifest more with the impact of fear of contamination, fear of germs, excessive hand washing, worrying about the hygiene, um, because almost COVID and, and the issues around COVID and contamination are sort of feeding into that in a little way and it will make people hypervigilant around um, so in some ways it will it will um, it will feed the anxiety if the anxiety is already there. So um, we know that certain people have a greater um, propensity to develop anxiety and depression at this time. So people who like to have lots of control over their life and used to being very organized and things, these are often the people who we say are more likely to have what we call trait anxiety. So they're people who are used to having lots of order and routine, And sometimes having a baby throws that all up in the air and makes adaption a lot more challenging for those people. So Mm. it's something to be aware of as well. Sounds like as well the danger with those uh, who have postnatal depression, as you mentioned, it's easier not to connect, it's easier not to withdraw. Uh, Sorry, it's easier to withdraw. That sounds like it, it could kind of make it less likely they'll reach out for help? Would you say that that's something to be aware of during lockdown? Yeah, look, I think so. I think sometimes well, when we're not in lockdown, we're forced to get on with their lives. We're forced to go to work. We're forced to have, um, there's more structure there. There's more expectation that you'll be at certain events. And um, if that's not there, you don't have the connection for people to be looking out for you or thinking, where is such and such? Why haven't they come to this? Um, so, and there is that breaking routine that can sort of keep you going, which can actually be preventative or really help with keeping on going and keeping life going. Um, so it's really important, particularly for third party people or family or friends to be really mindful if they've made a call and reach out and be proactive. Um, because this is almost creating a bubble for the person who might have anxiety and depression to retreat 
and be forgotten about in this COVID setting. So checking in and reaching out is more important than ever. And that can just be text messages too, can't it? Because I remember yeah. I, never, I don't think I picked up a phone spontaneously until my children were like five. <laughs> so I was like, it was always, I was too busy with them doing other things. I couldn't have a conversation. But just having a text from someone saying, hey, I'm thinking of you. Don't have to call me back, but if you want mm-hmm. to, I'm here. Absolutely. So don't put pressure and expectations on them. Just let them know that you're there for them and that they can reach out at any time. And um, although you might not be able to go, um, and see them or visit them, you are there for a chat if they ever want to um, just check in. Um, and, you know, I think the other thing about um, checking in with people if you can is it keeps our context, it keeps things real, it keeps a bit of normality. Um, if we retreat too much, um, you know, we're starting to dis- distance ourselves from our reality and our reality and our the world we live in is what grounds us. So really important to think of ways that we can maintain that grounding through our relationships, through our routines, uh, through a little bit of being in touch with nature, going for a walk, through our music and listening to music, things that are part of our world, make sure we keep them part of our world because that will help ground us at this uncertain time. So when we talk about postnatal depression, over the past decade we're talking more about men and the fact that men can get postnatal depression as well. Um, what should we be uh, looking out for if we're if we're male, if we're a dad, or um, what should we be asking our partners if we're on the other side and looking in, going, "Oh, I don't know, is he all right?" Yeah, look, I think um, certainly when we compare rates of anxiety and depression in women compared to men, it is much higher in women. Um, however, we also know that men uh, or fathers are 50% more likely to develop depression or anxiety if the woman herself is experiencing anxiety or depression. So that is actually the biggest risk factor. Um, having said that, men can also, particularly if they have a personal history of depression, um, the um, upheaval of life with a new baby can also be challenging for them Um, men often describe you know when becoming a a father the huge sense of responsibility that comes with that you know suddenly the bread they're the breadwinner they often feel like they've been moved down on the rung of the ladder from second place to third place or fourth place or fifth place wherever they are in the pecking order Um, they don't necessarily have the same level of quality time with their partner because there's other demands from other children and things like that so really men are, you know, having to adjust in their own way as well, plus that added pressure and responsibility. And let's face it, I think another big difference is um, for fathers of today, they don't necessarily have the role modelling. Um, you know, my father certainly wasn't the, what is expected of fathers today, so they don't necessarily have that role modelling of what being a modern-day dad is all about and what does that mean? What does that mean for me? I'm not going to look at what my dad did, or that's not good enough by today's standards. So it's a whole big identity shift for men in terms of um, subsuming this new role and working out what being a dad for them means. And that's going to be very from one relationship to another and even from time to time as the, as the, the great baby grows and the demands of the child and the family consistently change. And some men manage that change a, a lot better than others. Um, but having that time to really check in with each other, even if it's five minutes when the kids are in bed over a cup of tea to go, how are you going? Um, check in with how your expectations and, and your realities might have differed um, and, you know, try to have a laugh about it, but also obviously recognising if 
if there are things that you're struggling with. And, and I think it's really important for dads as well to keep their own connections with things that they did before they had kids, whether that's playing a sport, connecting with other people, male friends, female friends, whatever, who are not part of this, you know, so there is continuity with their before dad and after that dad life to keep them grounded in that way as well. Uh, Alexandra on Facebook says, do you have any tips for those with newborns but also entertaining a toddler during lockdown? Oh, Which which sounds (laughs) particularly challenging. Yeah. Um, And and she adds, you know, can lockdowns have positives too, like for establishing breastfeeding? Yeah. I imagine that kind of shows the double-edged sword for many new parents, doesn't Mm -hmm. it really? I mean... Yeah, that you've always you're also trapped inside. That's right, and almost like I think um, I remember when having my second baby. It was almost like um, you know I remember getting my first child uh, who was a toddler at that stage, a pram and a doll, and um, it was like we're both playing dolls. You've got your baby, I've got my baby, and you're almost (laughs) you know doing this thing together, and um, so you're almost making a game out of it. Um, I suppose, in a way, and um, particularly things like going for walks still and things like that are just so important. Um, I don't know if you are still able to access um, parks. Um, In Melbourne, all of our playgrounds were closed off, um, so you you weren't allowed on playgrounds or public areas for children. They haven't done that this time, but at the first round there was no climbing equipment or anything um, in that way. But even going to a park, going for a walk um, and... uh, even if it's a takeaway baby chino or whatever it is, just those small things to break up the day are so important. Um, and trying whenever you can to try and make a game out of it, um, I think is is a, a survival technique with a toddler and a newborn. Um, yeah, there, look, there are certain, certainly from the Melbourne experience, there were some silver linings um, around the lockdown. So one of the things that parents often talk about is, um, you know, when they've had the baby, um, having a lot of visitors coming and how that would break with their routines. And certainly um, they described that there was a really positive impact of having that bubble of just themselves, their partner and their baby to really get to know each other and have that time together. So in some ways that was certainly seen as a positive. Um, the research has also shown that, yes, but um, breastfeeding rates improved significantly and became more established. Um, so they were definite positives from COVID, which were probably un- unanticipated. Um, I suppose on the negative side, there was, you know, the feelings of isolation. So really important to be proactive, make the most of little routines, like going to the park um, and getting in touch with nature and connecting on social media. And there, for example, we have Mama Tribe, which is an online network of mums, and you can, do, you know, find your own Mama Tribe community and connect with mums in your area and they're all doing things online at the moment. So there's great ways that you can still connect in an online world and and have conversations. And that was so important for us in Melbourne where people never got to join their mother's group, never had a mother's group. Um, And I suppose that... I can't imagine that. Yeah. Saved me. And feel, um, you know, there is, I must say, a lot of feeling of grief and disappointment um, from parents a year later who had their babies during lockdown, feeling like they missed out. They missed out on, you know, when they now go to someone else's baby shower, they missed out on that baby shower. They missed out on the mother's groups. So um, being proactive and thinking, well, what can I do? There are groups like Mama Tribe and there is also dads groups for dads, which are online communities. So you can connect and begin to form relationships with people in your area and then 
when we get out of lockdown, you'll be able to meet them face-to-face, but in the meantime, you can still connect, you can still share experiences and not feel so isolated and alone. So how important is that talking aspect? Because when I was when I mentioned my mother's group, we we were our we were an antenatal group that became a mother's group. And so we probably met sooner after we had our babies and other groups. But I just remember sitting around, everyone had their boobs out, everyone was, you know, in some emotional you know, level of joy or distress or whatever. Yeah. And it was just all out there. Mm-hmm. And I think that apart from being face-to-face, which obviously is a great feeling when you're in that space, just talking to someone mm-hmm. who understood. I mean, you know, there's talk therapy, isn't there? So how, how important is it if someone's listening to this and going, oh, yeah, but I don't want to get on a Facebook group because it's just not the same. What difference can talking make? Look, it can make a huge difference because often when people, um, you know, we've just done some uh, research with over 600 women who very generously told us in great detail about the challenges that they faced on their journey to becoming a parent. So for some people that started it, you know, trying to get pregnant in the first time place, um, dealing with perinatal loss, dealing with challenges in pregnancy, birth or the postnatal period, which came in so many different shapes and forms. Um, One of the things that kept on coming through all the themes was that people felt very alone in their experience because other people never told them that this was happening or they didn't realise that other people were going through the same experience. And the fact is, um, you know, when you do talk, um, you might not be looking for a solution or looking for treatment or looking for, you know, an answer, but it just lets you know that you're not the only one who is going through this. But quite often because we have high expectations ourselves that this is supposed to be great and we're coming to terms with the fact that this is not the reality that I thought it was, but so many other people are going through the same experience and by no one talking about it, we're, we're really not getting a realistic picture of what parenthood is really like. But also we're depriving ourselves of not only um, realising that we're not alone, but also giving support to each other and sharing tips and strategies. So there becomes lots of benefits from talking, A, not feeling like you're the only one, you're not, um, you're not failing, it's just part of the journey, but also sharing wisdoms about what helped and what didn't help. Um, all of those are benefits from talking. Um, and that's not doing therapy or anything like that. It's just really putting it out there and um, getting those many benefits from having a conversation. You mentioned earlier that it's possible for women to um, have postnatal depression in their second or third trimester. We have spoken a lot about things you can do if you're in lockdown and you've got a new baby. What would you suggest women who are pregnant now in lockdown who are feeling understandably quite concerned or uncertain about the future i've i've read so many heartbreaking stories about different restrictions in the labor ward Mm -hmm. that sounds just so so sad Mm -hmm. um how can those women be looking after themselves now yeah look i think um the most important thing is uh, it, it was really interesting living through this whole experience in melbourne where we had um, various lockdowns and, and when our first lockdown was when we didn't really know or understand much about COVID. Um, so, we, you know, there was big fears then about what if I'm pregnant and I get COVID, what will happen to the baby? Will the baby have malformations or there'll be, there'll be some, is there going to be birth complications if one of us gets COVID? Uh, there were all these worries and concerns and, you know, it, it was very, um, 
you know, alleviated a lot of anxieties when we the research was coming out, particularly from overseas where the rates of COVID have been much higher, really demonstrating that even if a woman did get pregnant, even if the infant got pregnant, uh, got uh, COVID, there was no um, really adverse impacts for the growth and development of the baby or the health, and that the babies were extremely resilient. So I would really suggest that that's one thing to really focus on. You know, let's focus on... Um, particularly for people with high anxiety, they're more likely to catastrophize and see things as dangerous or worry more and sometimes um, uh, envisage these things as more threatening than they really are. So looking at the science, looking at the evidence, as the health, health experts tell us to do with COVID all the time, we really need to be, keep that in mind and keep that realistic um, understanding that even if we did get COVID, the baby would be fine. So that's the first thing. Um, when it comes to going through birth experiences, I mean, the, the rules are changing all the time. And from what I can see in New South Wales, they even seem to vary so much from one hospital to another um, in terms of visitors, time that the partner's allowed. Uh, so here in Melbourne, for example, the partner was allowed, allowed to attend the birth, but in the days after was only able to attend for two hours a day in the hospital and there was to be no other visitors. So um, I think, you know, people who... Um, where possible, being discharged early so that they could be at, at, together at home, in their own home, in their own bubble, um, was a really positive outcome. I think also people did describe feeling um, quite overwhelmed with um, in the birth, uh, everyone in PPE. You know, that was something we, we no one envisaged that was, it was far from the candles and meditation music experience <laughs> people were thinking and hoping for. Um, it was extremely clinical and, and very you know, bizarre in terms of what actually unfolded. So I think, um, again, having conversations with your health professional around that, what is what is likely to be expected so you don't feel overwhelmed and out of control. You don't want to go into your birth experience feeling like, you know, um, I, this isn't what I expected, which suddenly makes you feel out of control when you're supposed to be trying being relaxed to give birth to the baby. So I think in advance of that, um, understanding what having a baby in COVID means, what does that, what what will that look like? in the birth suite when we go in there. If it is people in, uh, everyone in PPE, you know, coming to terms and understanding that so you're not shocked um, at the time. Um, you know, also I think bearing in mind and remembering that we're not seeing adverse outcomes from COVID um, around birth. Um, so, um, you know, th again, these are things, grounding facts to keep, keep in mind um, and, you know, you really have to adapt to what the hospital is requiring, but how can you make that interaction with your partner and that time as special as possible? Um, and, you know, just working with the health professionals to do to do the best that you can. But, you know, this is preparing for parenthood in some ways. There are lots of things that do come along that we, we're not prepared for, um, whether that's struggling with the birth experience itself, with breastfeeding, with isolation, with loneliness, with sleep deprivation, with... Um, an unsettled baby with reflux, you know, these are these are just many of the things that can come along um, and this might be more challenging for some people but the health outcomes are good. It's not like there's any greater risk um, in terms of birth or health outcomes for mother or baby or, or the partner. So these are really grounding things, I think, to take in with you. We have actually run out of time, Nicole, um, but before I let you go, where can people find support from COPE? Look, if you go to our website at cope.org.au, we've got information around all of the challenges at each stage of becoming a parent and 
it's really the single source of truth in terms of the one-stop shop where to go. I'd also, particularly now in um, in these times, really encourage people to go to Mama Tribe at mamatribe.com.au. Um, find your tribe, connect with your local network, um, and also follow us on um, Instagram and Facebook because we really do provide daily inspiration and strategies and information to really support you right through the journey. Yeah, and you also have a, a list of if you're feeling, if you've listened to this and you're feeling that you do need extra support, not just talking to friends, um, COPE has a whole list of um, different support networks. There's also Panda. We'll put the notes in this episode, but also on the Facebook in the comments. Panda have a hotline you can call till 7 p.m. most nights, and it's 1300 726 306. That's 1300 726 306. Um, Nicole, thank you so much for your help and for all your advice tonight. Um, and listen, if you are feeling mentally well, but you are needing a few tips on how to help your baby sleep, settling, challenging toddler behaviours, that sort of thing, Babyology's online platform, The Parent School, can connect you with an expert that will help with your specific problem. Um, there's links to everything that we spoke about in this conversation below this Facebook page, this Facebook Live or in the podcast notes. Uh, but it is a very challenging time now, particularly for new parents. So um, we wish you all the best. Thanks for joining us. And Nicole, thank you for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Bye. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.